Hello, everyone. Welcome to Coffee and a Book. My name is William Hemsworth. Thank you for joining me for this week's program. Honored to have my guest, Mary Lindeberg. She's the author of a great new book called Be Bold in the Broken. She's also the author of uh, Be Brave in the Scared, How I Learned to Trust God During My Most Difficult Days of My Life. That's available wherever books are sold. Mary is available to speak or MC at retreats, parish missions, youth events, mega conferences, and media events. And you can go to our website, maryhelenaberg.com, to learn more information. Mary, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, William. How are you? You know, I'm great. I'm blessed. It's great to be talking with you. And thankfully, this year is going a little bit better than last. Just tad, there's light at the end of the tunnel, so it's all good. I'm happy about Just that. Just a smidge better, yes. A, Just smidge, a smidge, a smidge, yes. <laughs> I'll take a smidge. I'll take a smidge. <laughs> there you go. Now, your book, I was... I was before we get to your book, though, I was on your website and I was wondering if maybe you can tell your story a little bit before we get into your book, because I think it's a story that will resonate with a lot of people. Sure. Um, so I'm Mary Lennerberg. It's a delight to be with you and your audience today. I am a wife of 32 years. I met my husband on my one and only blind date. God said you needed one, and I appreciated that guidance. Uh, We were blessed with four souls, two that we lost to miscarriage, and our son Jonathan is now 31 and newly engaged to be married. We're very excited for him. And our daughter Courtney um, was 22 when the Lord brought her home. And when Courtney was a month old, she was uh, on the day of her baptism, actually, she started having grandma seizures. And so over the course of those 22 years, we were dealing with a medically fragile, um, profoundly disabled child. And so what happened uh, to us happens to many families of those that are caring for a disabled child. Um, that child tends to be the center of crisis and the center of the focus of your life and other pieces and portions of your life, like your other children, your marriage, your individual care of yourself tends to fall to the wayside. And what we went through over the course of those, especially the first seven to 12 years of her life was it revealed, um, it's kind of like the closet, right? That everybody's got this hall closet where they put all the stuff they don't want to deal with. Like, oh, we're having guests. We have to put everything in the closet, but you never want to open the closet because everything's going to fall on you. And that's pretty much what Courtney did for our life. She really pointed out um, where our weaknesses were in our marriage. Um, She, uh, during this time with her, we discovered that I had an addiction to food. My husband had an addiction to pornography. These were the things that we did in order to maintain our peace and our calm, which led us down roads that were very destructive for our family and for ourselves. Um, And so Courtney was kind of like the heart of our home. She revealed the face of Christ to us. She showed us how to love with our lives. Um, She could not hide her disability. You know, you and I, we spend our lives trying to hide the things that are broken. We hide the things we don't want the world to see. And we present this image or this, this falsehood to the world. We're not authentically ourselves. And Courtney didn't have that choice. She, she was Courtney and she could only love and be loved. And so she really directed our home and our hearts toward God. And it was through her and caring for her that we received help. Our, my husband and I um, sought counsel in our marriage. We sought counsel individually. Um, and through caring for Courtney and her showing us how to love, we, in turn, um, God restored and redeemed and rebuilt our family and, and restored and redeemed our marriage. And when we stood by her grave six years ago, holding hands, looking at one another, Um, I remember looking at my husband and I said, remember this moment, remember these lessons, you know, this beautiful child of ours who couldn't walk, couldn't talk, 
never could be a doctor or a soccer player. She just was Courtney. She was simply herself as God made her to be as perfect and as she was. Um, she taught us that, you know, this was the relationship we have with the father. We don't have to do anything to earn his love. We have it. It's our job to receive it, right? We block ourselves from that reception. And that's what leads to our crisis of, um, of our hearts and our souls. And so we went through a lot in 22 years, but in the end it was pure and total gift. And it brings us to this place where I've written about that journey and be brave and the scared. That's what that book was all about. And, and how Courtney led us to God. And here in this new book, Be Bold and the Broken, it's sort of like a prequel to that. It's, it's how I learned to find my voice. It's how I learned to figure out who God was calling me to be as Mary Lenneberg, not as Sally Jones, not as, you know, um, someone else, but as uniquely myself with my own charisms and my own gifts. So it's something that I find as I go out in ministry around the world, women really, really struggle with. I mean, men do too, but women especially. So um, that's a little bit about me and my journey. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for the, your witness and sharing. So with this new book, what was the process like? How did the idea come about to write it? And what was that process like going through it? Well, when I wrote my first book, Be Brave and the Scared, that brought to me opportunities to go out and speak and lead retreats and parish missions and all of that. And what I was finding was when I would show up for a retreat or for a morning uh, day of reflection or for a women's conference talk, the same question was being asked of me every single time by these women. And that is, what, what am I meant to do, Mary? What am I meant to be? This can't be all, right? I, whether it be a young college student who is trying to discern um, their vocation, whether it be a young woman with small children who just feels overwhelmed by her life, or someone a little bit later whose children have walked away from the faith, or uh, they're dealing with a personal crisis in their marriage or themselves, or someone who's an empty nester or a grandmother. Like, is this it? Like, what do I do now? And, and it was the same question, no matter the season of life. And so that is what drove me to write Be Bold and the Broken. You know, we are meant to contribute to the world. And that contribution looks different depending on the season of our life. But we are still meant to contribute, whether you're 80 years old or 18 years old. We were meant to love. We were meant to, to know, love, and serve God, right? We go back to the Baltimore yep. Catechism. Know, love, and serve God. That's what we were meant to do. And that doesn't stop because you're 85 and you have great-grandchildren. There are things for God in that season of your life that he wants of you and he desires for you. And so that's where Be Bold and the Broken came from. It was kind of my explanation for this is what I've been through. These are the choices I made, good, bad, or horrible. This is where God showed up. This is where he redeemed it. He restored it. And he showed me the way to walk. And so that's where Be Bold and the Broken comes from. The same question being asked time and time again. In chapter two, you talk about how we have this desire to want to measure up or be better than the people around us. Why, why is that a bad thing? What can that lead to? Well, you know, it's the idea of the culture tells us success, right? What is success? Success mm -hmm. is the pursuit of money. The success is the pursuit of the, the right house, the right clothes, the right car. This is what they, it's totally void of what true success is, which is to love, right? Which is to serve 
which is to um, elevate the world around us, lifting it up to the Father as gift. And so when I was looking around in my life at that time, wanting to be more than, what that comes from is a wound of being feeling unworthy. You know, we strive to be more than because we don't know our own worth and we don't know our own value. Once I understood my own worth and value as a daughter of the king, as someone who God had given gifts and talents and charisms to, and was satisfied in that, content in that, I stopped striving. I was acting like Eve. You know, remember what happened to Eve in the garden, right? Mm -hmm. She grasped at the apple. It wasn't hers. God didn't give it to her. He gave her the entire garden, but the one tree. But she started talking to that darn snake and she started listening to him and she made a choice. She chose herself over God. And that's what I was doing. I was choosing myself and my own desires instead of marrying the two with God's will for my life. I wasn't discerning what he wanted. And so I made mistakes. There are mistakes where I tried to be someone physically different, where I tried to be someone, um, you know, represent myself in a way that wasn't authentic and true to me. And that's where we get into mistakes. That's where we make, that's where we sin. That's where we really mess up our relationships and our friendships. That's where we fall from grace. And so it was the understanding of I am enough because God says so. He says I am enough in this moment. He is within me. He is the purpose and the reason why I am taking a breath. And so if I have a breath to take, there is work to do, and it is his work. And so it's surrendering my idea of what it should be and marrying it to his will of what it is. Right. Now, in your travels, talks, and everything that, that you've been doing, is that a common thing that you see among people struggling with that? I do. I think, especially as women, we, we have the sin of Eve, right? Original sin. We grasp, right? We go after things. It's not enough for with what we have. We compare. This is huge. Oh, with social media, it's just, it's, it's a nightmare. Yes. We yeah. could, even men, I'm looking at my husband and my son, they compare sometimes. Now, guys will have this, this way of sort of talking with each other and jockeying with each other, right? And they kind of, you know, I grew up with six brothers. It's something I'm very familiar with. It's like the towel in the locker room. It's like, dude, back up, you know, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. We're good. And they sort of figure out a way to kind of tussle their way through it. Women, we struggle with this. We struggle with this mightily. We compare instead of celebrate. We envy instead of encourage. We find jealousy instead of joy. So what I had to learn how to do was when I felt that comparison bug come, when I began to grasp for something that God had not given me, that was on somebody else's tree, I had to learn how to stop and I had to celebrate that woman, celebrate her, celebrate her success. And it is, it's hard. It's hard because you have these desires for your life and you're wondering, why does she get that? And I don't get that because God has a purpose and a meaning for that in her life. And you have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. You have no idea. So we make this snap judgment. We make this, um, we, we compare. And so it's been a process. It's something I still, I will deal with until the day I meet the Lord. I have no doubt, but it's this idea of celebration over comparison. And once I started doing that, once I actually started praying for other women that were in the same ministry as I was, that were doing some of the similar things that I was, there was no threat. There was just simple, this is great. Go do it. I'm so proud of you. I'm happy you're listening to God's tug on your heart. Go do it. They no longer had an impact on my life that was negative, only positive. Yeah, I read that comment in the chapter and I was like, oh, wow, that's totally me. It took me 39 years to realize. <laughs> but 
it's so it it's, takes a while you know we keep making the same mistake we're kind of stubborn we're like the israelites in the desert we forget totally. you know we, we learn it once and then we just forget and keep doing it like maybe this time will be different well no it was yeah, not. Maybe. <laughs> not so much try again exactly now in the chapters of your book there's a key word in there and that word is courage it's in pretty much every title why what is so important about that word well it's the idea that um you know, it's, it's kind of like the title for my first book, Be Brave and the Scared, comes from something my dad used to say. He used to say, you only had to be brave one breath at a time, right? Um, and so it kind of comes in to be bold in the broken. People are like, why, why do I need to be bold? I'm broken. I want to hide. I want to I wanna run away. Well, being bold is being courageous. You know, you only have to be courageous one breath at a time. You only have to be courageous one step at a time. The thing that overcomes fear in our life, right? Many women are locked into fear. Like I can't, I'm too old. I'm not smart enough. I don't have this. I don't have that. They want it all to be lined up and perfect before they step out into that. And that's not what God calls us to. He calls us to that boldness of courage, right? That moment of action, because action is what overcomes fear, Fear has no power on, on us if we are acting in what God has called us to do. I am not equipped to do this ministry. Like I am, I seek my equipment and my courage every day in the Lord. I go to the scriptures. I go to sacred tradition. I go to mass. I go to adoration. I mean, I am constantly coming back to him. Like, are you sure that you want me to do this? Like me? But you look at Job and you look at Hannah and you looked at some of these these heroes that we have in the stories of scripture and they just kept going back to the Lord. They just kept going back to him, you know, in in their desperation and in their joy, they just, they always went to him. And that's what courage is to me. Courage is standing in the truth of who I am, that I might not do it perfectly because I am not Jesus. I'm not meant to do it perfectly, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to step out. I'm going to speak the truth with love and the chips will fall where they may because God is with me and he has asked me to do it. And so he's going to provide what I need exactly when I need it. For anyone out there that's listening or who's going to read your book, and again, the book comes out March 12th, I encourage everyone to check it out. What would you say to them who are struggling to find out what God wants them to do with their life? I always go to something my mom used to say, and also it comes from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, just do the next right thing, right? I'm not the best myself personally at discernment. Discernment always comes through community. And so I rely on my husband and some of my dear friends when we're discerning something. But where are you right now in your life? Are you a student? Are you a young professional? Are you a young mother? Are you an older mother? Where are you? You have to pay attention to your vocation with the big V right? That is the most important thing in your life. It doesn't matter how many books I write, how many talks I give. If my marriage is not centered on the Lord, then I am not honoring the vocation that God gave me, right? So it's marriage for me and motherhood. And now maybe in the future, if God so blesses us, grandmotherhood, right? It's this idea that I have to come back to what is my vocation? That's where you discern God's will for your life. Now, if you're not married or you're still discerning that or walking in that, then I think it comes down to contentment. If you are confident and content that you are where God needs you to be, or if you feel that tug, like I'm not where he needs me to be. This all happens. It's revealed in prayer. It's the conversation we have with the Lord. He speaks specifically to me a lot of the times through people. 
and through music, like a lyric of a song will hit me in a way and I'll be like, well, I got to sit down with that one for a while, you know, through scripture, through reading the daily readings of the church here. So there's many different ways that he speaks to us, but you have to be quiet long enough to listen. And so, you know, if you're unclear of where you are and where you're walking, then sit down and be quiet and let him talk to you. I think that's key. I think in our society, we get so busy that we just go, 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 go. And we don't take that time just to sit there and listen. That's, I don't know, I'm not trying to piggyback, piggyback on what you said. Prayer is a two-way street. We ask and then we listen. So it's, right. so in this book, what are you, what are you hoping to accomplish through this book? My, my desire for this book, and I, I believe it's married to God's desire for this book, but you know, we're still working through that but my desire for this book is that someone will pick up this book they'll see that they're not alone in making mistakes they'll see that um you know uh bad things happen to everybody we make bad and poor choices and that our past does not define who we are you know our past is simply that it's a learning proving ground and maybe we did it well and maybe we did it poorly but it doesn't have to be where you are now So if we are bold and we break the chains of our past, we break it and we set it aside and we enter into this new relationship and this new covenant with the Lord, he is going to do amazing things in our life. If you had told me six years ago, as I was standing at my daughter's grave, that I would be doing what I'm doing now, that I as a dyslexic who barely got out of school with like a D minus, 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 right, would write two books and somebody would say, yes, let's publish them. I mean, my eighth grade teacher, Mrs. Loftus is rolling over in her grave because she's like, yeah, no, you chose the wrong girl. Let me show you what she did. You know, I mean, God is good and he is generous and, and he takes what we give him and he multiplies it like the loaves and the fishes. And so the more we give him, the more we surrender to him the bigger and greater it is. Now, does that mean you're going to be standing on a stage in front of a thousand women speaking to them? No, but you're going to be sitting at your kitchen talking to your kids. You're going to be talking to your best friend who's really struggling right now. You're going to meet that person where they are. You're going to be bold in your brokenness in that moment. And you're going to be courageous and speak the truth. So my hope is that they see um, themselves in my stories and that they're able to laugh and they're able to walk with me into this place of hope, into this place that says, God is God and I am not. My story is not over. It's just the end of one chapter and the beginning of another. And when you hand that manuscript to the Lord, he's going to write a nail biter and it's going to be awesome. Amen. Now, Obviously, the book comes out in a couple of days, but there's been some beta readers and everything. What has been the response that you've received so far? I am so blessed. I'm so blessed. I, I most it's been very, very positive. Um, I make people I'm known for making people laugh and cry and sometimes in the same page. And I'm known for my bluntness and um, I call a spade a spade, right? So I don't hide anything. I don't have, I'm not, I'm not a woman. I, when I tried to hide, it didn't end well. So I just decided to give that up about, you know, 20 years ago. We're just not going to do that anymore. 
Um, and with that came the freedom to just be my authentic self, right? So um, you're going to laugh, you may cry depending on your disposition, but you're going to find yourself in the middle of the story. You're going to find yourself in the seventh grade. You're going to find yourself in high school. You're going to be that woman that gossiped or that man that made a choice that was not good. Um, and you're going to see the hope and the redemption. So the, the response has been very, very positive, and I'm, I'm so incredibly blessed. It, it really makes my heart happy to know that when it lands, um, it speaks to them. And, and God speaks through these stories. He, he's guiding them. He's encouraging them that they, too, can be bold in their own brokenness. That's definitely something I got from the book. When I was read through it, I saw myself a lot, struggling to fit in, wanting to measure up, be better, and then realizing that I'm enough. God made me how I am. He gave me certain gifts and to embrace those. That's what I got out of that. Um, so, amen. That's beautiful. Um, That's beautiful. <laughs> and the thing is, is that when you are authentically yourself, like you're, you take off and go to the races and there's contentment and there's confidence. Um, yes, you might have to, you know, go back to that prayer and say, are you really sure? Like, like, where is this going to go? And we, and he really calls us into that relationship of trust with him. Like, we don't know how the story is going to end. I don't want to know how the story is going to end. I couldn't have written it to this point, but how beautiful that even you can see yourself in that and know I am enough. He loves me. He sees me. He knows me. He will give me what I need. And that is the joy, right? And so when you look at your brothers in Christ and your sisters in Christ, you don't need what they need. You need what you need. Right. And there is a confidence and a comfortableness that comes in that knowledge. And it allows you to be free to serve as he has asked you to serve. Okay. So what's next for you going forward? Well, um, I think there's another book. I think um, my husband and I are discerning writing a book together about okay. everything we've overcome in our marriage and, and specifically talking about the wounds of, of pornography, which is not some, something that's overly spoken about, you know, in our church. Um, it's, it's coming along. We need to talk about it more because when you bring um, something into the light, it can't go back into the darkness again. And we need right. healing and we need restoration in our church and in our society over this particular issue. So I, I think that's going to, going to show its itself here in the next year or so. And I continue to work. I'm headed out to California to do a retreat. Um, I'm, I'm speaking at women's conferences as they begin to sort of ramp up again after COVID and everything sort of shut the world down. So I will just continue to walk and be as courageous as God is calling me to be, um, however he is calling me into his service. So I'm looking forward to see what he's got in store. Great. So we're going to listeners pick up your book. They can pick it up wherever books are sold. You can uh, buy it, of course, on Amazon, straight from Ave Maria Press. If you're not an Amazon fan, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com. You can also get a signed copy from our book if you go to the website, MaryLennaberg.com. Over to the sidebar on the right, there is a place for you to purchase a signed copy that I'll mail directly to you. Okay, great. Well, Mary, I thank you for taking some time just to come on, talk about your story and your book. Uh, great work here. I really appreciate you coming on and best of luck with the release. Again, March 12th, everyone, it'll be available wherever books are sold. Thank you so much, William. It's been a delight to talk to you. Same here. God bless you and your ministry. You as well. <laughs>